the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Welcome to Education Nation, where we tackle the biggest issues in American education. School is now in session. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Well, good evening, and thank you for joining us here on Education Nation. I am your headmaster and host, Rebecca Hagstrom, and it's a privilege to join you here every Saturday evening on AM 1280, The Patriot. And I'm joined in studio, of course, once again with our wonderful producer of Education Nation and my co-host, Mark Durkin. Nice to see you again, Rebecca. Yes, nice to see you, too. It's good to be in studio. I know. I have, I've really enjoyed being able to do that with you the Absolutely. last couple of weeks for a while. That was not the case. We were having to do pre-recorded. Not too long ago, that's right. Yes, uh, or not pre-recorded, but even previously used uh, shows because we couldn't come into the studio. That's so right. it's wonderful to be here. Anyway, uh, back on March 18th, Minnesota Governor Tim Walz declared a peacetime emergency, effectively closing K-12 public and charter schools. The executive order was initially issued to help slow the spread of COVID-19. And just one month later, the decision was made to shut down all in-class learning for the remainder of the academic year. The state's schools have been closed to nearly 900,000 students. And as a result, the quick transition to an online learning environment has been challenging. And as school administrators, teachers, and families have made their best efforts to minimize the disruption of school life. That's right, Rebecca. We can all agree that despite every good intention to bring about a sense of normalcy, distance learning will never fully capture the learning experiences that come inside the classroom. But that doesn't mean that the learning experience can't be successful. Tonight, we want to come alongside Minnesota families who are looking for ways to improve their online learning experiences. And joining us over the phone to discuss Liberty Classical Academy's transitions to distance learning and the many successes that families are experiencing in the midst of the challenges are third grade lower level school teacher and parent of four students, Heather Berg and Anna Brooks, who teaches fifth through eighth grade Latin and ninth grade ancient history. Ladies, thank you for joining us tonight on Education Nation. Thank you. Yeah, it's so great to have both of you here. And, you know, that is a challenge that I wanted to point out very briefly um, that, yeah, Heather, our third grade teacher who's joined us here today, you have your husband who has always worked from home, right? He's always been online distance. And um, now you're teaching and you also have four children that are also in school at Liberty, also learning from a distance ed perspective. So you you have your hands full there and a new baby that's only... And a new baby. Yes. Get the baby. 10-month-old baby. (laughs) Uh Unbelievable. So that's been quite the challenge. And Anna, I know your challenges have been different. I think you have been in town with some limited bandwidth issues as well, right? 
Yes, and there's been some interesting experiences. I live downtown in one of the towers in St. Paul, so it's like those times when everyone's trying to be online at once. Right. It can be challenging. It's kind of like one big happy family in that tower, right? <laughs> Go knocking on your neighbor's door. Please stop using your internet. I need it. <laughs> uh, well, I tell you that um, this was a big transition for Liberty, and um, you know the students recessed for spring break. Back in March, early March, I think our last day of school was the 5th of March. And just, you know, like a week and a half later, a peacetime emergency was declared and schools were closed. And, you know, obviously, as a headmaster, I can I can talk from my own perspective of how we walked through that process of transitioning. But I think it's really it'd be really interesting to hear from the two of you as teachers. Um, How did you feel that process of transitioning from in? in-school teaching to distance teaching went for you. We can start with Heather on that one. Yes, good idea. Sure. Um, Yeah, well, it was pretty crazy transitioning um, from being in the classroom um, to going online, which we and myself, I had never done before. Um, So we had about two days at the school to gather our materials, make copies, get everything done. Um, I had about... Uh, 30 minutes each day to make copies for the last few months um, to get everything ready. So it felt um, pretty rushed and trying to get everything ready, but I'm really happy that we were able to get online that following week and just dig right in and get into it. Um, So our lovely um, tech person, Teresa, got our platforms ready on Google Classroom. So that was very helpful. So I just then went in and um, added my assignments and um, got everything ready for the students to be able to go online and see what they needed to do. Um, and we definitely had to work out some of the bugs the first couple weeks once we actually got online. Um, things that maybe I didn't think of or um, just didn't notice on my end and parents would email me and I'd quick try and fix things and um, so, you know, it's just a learning curve for all of us. But um, and then, like you said, Rebecca, the Internet problems definitely <laughs> at first were right. quite an issue because we're, we're out kind of in the country and um, we were working off hotspots. So we try and jump from hotspot to hotspot and I keep getting kicked out of my classroom. And, uh, <laughs> so it was interesting. But uh, but yeah, so the transition from in classroom and 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 uh, I think the parents. And the teachers all did such a great job just transitioning uh, yeah. to online yeah. so quickly. Yeah, that's so. great. And we did. We had to limit um, because we had so many teachers that needed the copy machines and we had to do it so quickly because mm-hmm. we knew the, yes. the state was going to go to a lockdown. So they mm-hmm. did. They each had 30 minutes, I think, two different days. And then we had to have the parents yep. on a sign up genius to come in and get their kids materials. Because I remember yep. before yes. spring break, we didn't even know this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So um, it was right. it, that week was very intense. Yes. And then they had to be trained uh-huh. on the Zoom. And so from how about you, mm-hmm. Anna, from your perspective, you know, what was some of that that transition like for you? Yeah, well, I know it's definitely a surprise, you know, going on spring break and then realizing halfway through that, you know, things weren't going to come back to how I had planned them for my classes. And when we were able to get back into school to make copies and prepare textbooks, um, one of the things that I was fortunate in is that I didn't need to make a bunch of copies and that I personally own uh, 
printer with a scanner. So I had oh, that nice. ability here. So it's like, okay, some of my time I could use at home. Yeah. But uh, make sure that all there was enough textbooks for the students um, to pick up that they could have at home so they could have their resources from what we had so that I didn't have to do as much scanning and digital work. So right. fortunate on that end. Yes, that's great. And then the whole process of learning the Google platforms and Zoom platforms. I mean, our school has been so supportive um, administratively as well as the staff and the training that we had to transition to being in an online platform. Um, a couple teachers and I created um, extra Google Classrooms just to test it out a perspective of what is the student gonna see when we post this assignment this way? And what do I see as a teacher? And giving each other feedback like, okay, this this doesn't come up right from this perspective so that we'd be able to um, edit that and change it ahead of time for for the students when they actually were able to yeah. see the classrooms live. So that was, it was a good experience that we were just able to come together with that support because, you know, I think everything has worked as well as it has so far because of everyone coming together mm -hmm. from teachers, staff, students, parents, that there's been a lot of communication and support and that everybody is just kind of giving each other that feedback so that, you know, when the issues do come up, that, you know, we can figure out the best way that we can solve it together. Yeah, that's great. That's that's really true. It has been very much of a group effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as part of the process, and I know uh, at some point Rebecca will chime in on, on this question, there was a consensus on which subjects would be the focus of instruction during the condensed online teaching sessions. We'll start with you, Anna, on this one. As teachers, what factors help decide which subjects would be taught online and which assignments would receive official grades? Maybe the, you can speak more to that last point. Yes. Um, as to what subjects um, in administratively um, selected, which ones would have more of a focus online. And for myself, I teach core subject as well as um, special subject being Latin and to focus more on what you're asking about, um, what assignments would receive official grades, yes. kind of really reevaluate in my classes, like how are the assignments um, presented? Not as much as say that, okay, we're not going to do anything the same, but how we would do um, testing in my classes. As for history, um, one of the things that we do in history class is we participate in what are called Socratic seminars. And that's a discussion-based learning and a way that the students um, are discussing the texts and topics together and all these things that they've prepared in advance. So for me, being able to do these discussions via Zoom and that the students ha are able to really connect with one another, even though we're at this distance platform, I'm able to test their knowledge in um, just as deep of a way as if I was having them take a physical paper test and even more so because um, I truly feel that when students are able to express and talk about the things that they've learned, then they truly know it and they can own it. So this has been something that's been really successful for me in my classes, especially in the high school, and that we can use this Socratic seminar method. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's excellent. And Heather, obviously you being a lower school teacher, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and as Anna pointed out, it was really more of our leadership team that, that decided which subjects were going to be taught online. And we did focus more on the core, of, of course, but all of them were taught online. Mm -hmm. It's more just a, a matter of how many of them had live classrooms and how many were pre-recorded. Um, but maybe you could just tell us really quickly um, kind of what the focus of your third grades um, uh, assignments have been and, and how you keep them focused, mm -hmm. you know, and attentive.
for an hour and a half. Sure, sure. And that can definitely be a challenge, um, especially when uh, uh, sometimes you have students that uh, that get off their chair and want to go to their bed because yeah. they're in their bedroom, things like that. <laughs> so <laughs> there have definitely been a lot of, okay, nope, come back to your chair and sit down, you know, moments. <laughs> Um, but like you said, Rebecca, um, our curriculum director told us our core subjects that we should be grading in and focusing, um, on when we're online. And those are definitely math, English, and reading for sure in the lower grades. Mm -hmm. Um, and English involves grammar and spelling. We still have been doing that. And spelling is pretty easy to give them the words we'll do certain things i've done a little bit of sparkle things like that tried to attempt that with mm-hmm. with uh having them raise their hand when they're out things like that you know it's mm-hmm. just some of that you just kind of have to have fun and just try it and if it doesn't work well we'll try something else but um definitely the core subjects and some of the the subjects that aren't core subjects um the other third grade teacher and I are still uh, teaching, like our history, um, we'll, we're going through it, but we're just not grading it because our history was so easy to just put onto the platform because we were already doing a PowerPoint presentation mm-hmm. where they were doing interactive notebooks. So they were able, and they're able to do fun things on that, like touring the Taj Mahal mm-hmm. and um, nice. just going through things like that where they can learn about it visually as well. So that was actually a really easy one to just transition to online. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I think the hardest one for us has been grammar. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely have been trying to, on Zoom, they have the whiteboard trying to put that up and teach grammar. And I think that's been one of the hardest ones um, to do. But um, as far as grading assignments, we just grade the spelling. We've we've lessened the amount and uh, they still take tests and then their parents submit it, things like that. And so the parents have definitely in the lower school, I feel, had to uh, play more of an involved role mm-hmm. in um, taking pictures and submitting it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to take tests for lower school students mm-hmm. away. So we just, I tried to guide the parents, okay, on, on the assignments, especially the ones that are ungraded, go ahead, help them. It's more about the learning. Mm-hmm. But on the Good. test, try your best not to help them because mm-hmm. I want to see if they get it. And I want you to see if they get it mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we've been led uh, yeah. for grading purposes. Yeah. That's and, and that's really the crux of the partnership that I think Liberty sees mm-hmm. in the educational exactly. experience with families and their, and their yep. children. And that, that, that's, um, that goes beyond being online. You know, that's been a priority of ours from the very beginning is that partnership between the school and the parents. And yeah, so true. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, with certain subjects being taught and receiving official grades, other subjects um, like science and history are present within the Google Classroom, but there are films and slideshows showing up sporadically for students to observe. So without the weekly in-class instruction for these subjects and more, how are you evaluating whether or not a student will be ready to move on to the next grade? And yeah, let's start with, maybe let's start with Heather, I guess, because that's more pertinent in a lower school uh, sure. class. Um, mm-hmm. Well, one nice thing about the end of the year is it's a lot of review. So um, especially for things like math, we have just dove right into a lot of the review assignments. Um, so that will be very helpful um, for 
seeing if they can how well they will transition to the next year. Um, like I said, the history, some of that is kind of new, but um, that's also cyclical uh, where they'll be getting that um, type of history again in later grades. So really in our grade, a lot of that is introductory anyways. So we're, we're introducing them to things like we will still do a little bit of chemistry, things like that, just to introduce them to it in third grade. And then they'll get it again and again as they get older. Um, so I think um, we're pretty much just going by some of our oral uh, um, examinations, like mm-hmm. with the Bible verse and with the history and with certain things. We're just trying to see if they understand it and can talk through it. And then also by the written test that they submit. So that's mm-hmm. what I'm going by. Yeah, that's great. And I think we should move on because I don't know that Anna, for you, I don't, do you have something you'd like to add to that for mm-hmm. that question? Um, I think at least for my middle school, um, at this point, I think we're fortunate that this um, pandemic has happened towards the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So for my Latin students, there's been um, a good foundation um, throughout the year. And so it's the same thing. It's really retention and review of what we've done so far to make sure that they're ready for next year. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I have heard so many of our staff tell us that, that they are so grateful it happened at the end of the year, yes. it, that it can't, mm-hmm. which I think we need to be thinking about and and our culture needs to think about as they talk about the fall and, oh, can schools reopen in the fall? I think the leaders and these decision makers need to understand that school is critical and being in class is Mm -hmm. critical. And to finish a school year online is one thing, but to start a school year online, mm, very different, a very different, yeah. Especially Mm -hmm. for those students that are just entering the uh, K through 12 uh, process. Exactly. Right. Um, why don't we start with you on this one, Anna? With the new learning format, is, has there been any grading on a curve, or are the grades still assessed uh, as they were before the, the shutdown? For myself, I'd say that there's no curve for grading for my classes. Um, just the change in um, how I specifically grade things, them being more um, oral quizzing and them being able to um, present the information to me live. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about you, Which Heather? Great. Um, yeah, I haven't had to do a whole lot on on a curve. Um, some of the classes have just become uh, pass-fail. Um, okay. Some of the subjects that we're not uh, doing as many um, exam, you know, exams in or anything like that. Um, some, some of the subjects don't have as many assignments that are graded. So um, the only one I'm a little concerned about is grammar for me because I don't have very many assignments. So if they don't do well on it, mm-hmm. then it's going to really hurt them. Um, so that's the only one where I feel like I'll need to take a second look at how mm-hmm. it's graded. But for the most sure. part, it's it's pretty uh, standardized grading, and, and I haven't had to change a whole lot. So That's great. Okay. So the student's time receiving instruction in the virtual classroom is significantly less than it would have been inside the school particularly in the lower school years, but even in our middle and upper school, they have much less class time. Um, Have parents raised much of a concern to you about their extra free time their students have during the school day? And what encouragement have you given the families when it comes to their attempts to keep kids learning and engaged while at home? And um, let's start with you, Anna. Um, As for the middle and upper school, I haven't really received a lot of concern from parents um, as too much free time. I think that the days are set up really nicely where they have 
their live instruction and then they have an hour break in between their classes. Because I know that, at least for me, you know, when you're sitting on Zoom conferences and whatnot for long periods of time, you get really restless. So having that break and then in between those things, the students seem to be doing really well with um, filling that time with completing their homework during the day and there's not too much downtime for them in that aspect. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been getting as feedback from the students as well as the parents. That's good. That's good. How about you, Heather? Uh, Yeah, I, at first, at the beginning of the year, I think, uh, or at the beginning of the online, excuse me, a lot of the parents, it was kind of overwhelming at first. um, And with the time, I think they were just telling me how happy they were that their kids had some structure, had some um, work to do, things like that. And, and most days my students have some sort of homework that they have to work on later. So we do an hour and a half of online teaching live, uh, which not all school districts are doing. Some are just doing pre-recorded mm-hmm. uh, lessons. And so I love that live time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of times they'll have a little bit of homework and I'm always encouraging them to do um, other things, getting outside, um, and I'll, I've put some enrichment activities onto Google Classroom, too, for those that want more. I've kind of gotten mixed from parents. Some say, ah, my student is overwhelmed and has, you know, a lot to do. And then I've had some that say, give us more. We want more. So I'm trying to balance between, okay, this is optional. Go ahead and do this enrichment activity. Um, and I know Mrs. Smith has added a couple, too, like a reading competition. Right. And also mm-hmm. the, the chronological quest history where they get to dress up and do a presentation about a history character for a kind of a competition as well. So we're trying to add in those extra nuggets of uh, uh, learning for those that want more. Um, so, but I, I definitely encourage parents, you know, just try things, yes. learning things. And yes. um, yeah, just That's make great. it fun. So. That's great. Mm-hmm. One of the many wonderful things about Liberty Classical Academy is the student-teacher relationships that are mm-hmm. forged throughout the year and the classroom sizes mm-hmm. that yes. make that uh, uh, opportunity there f- uh, to happen. Um, explain for our listeners why the teacher-student classroom dynamic is so strong at, at Liberty. What adjustments have you had to make in order to help students make the most of their academics when struggles have arisen? We'll start with you, Anna. All right. You know, I think the dynamic is really strong because there's um, such a good bond between teachers and um, the families and the students and that there is a lot of communication that happens and that's something that i've found that's actually been building in a really strong way since we've gone to this online format i've seen students that maybe in the past struggled to communicate about assignments or had missing assignments and whatnot that Now, they're reaching out to me, they're emailing me, they're making sure that um, they're able to succeed in the class. So I've seen that kind of a jump in taking like accountability for their classes, which was actually a really pleasant surprise considering circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's really, that is a pleasant surprise. I'm glad to hear that. And, And Heather, how about you? Uh, Yes, actually, um, coming from both a teacher and a parent, um, I feel like the communication, like Anna said, is just great. Um, You're finding out if there's a struggle, if there's a missing assignment, or, um, and my parents are emailing me as a teacher, um, you know, if something's up or if their student doesn't understand something, um, even with the online platform. So um, 
It's been really fun to be in communication with these parents and um, build that relationship. And I obviously miss my students so much seeing them in the classroom because we just love that, you know, the smiles every day and the, you know, even just getting those hugs and and everything. I know all the teachers are just missing that. But I, like I said earlier, I'm so glad that I at least get to teach online live because I, it would be very disconnected to have it as a recorded lesson that I send to them versus being able to see them and talk with them. And then they can ask me questions right then when we're going through something. Um, And oftentimes I'll stay after with students who don't understand something. And I love that so many of my students will speak up and just say, I don't get it. Can I stay after? I've actually had several ask me that many times and I stay after and we just work through it together. And I love that. That's as close as I feel like I'm going to get. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. As close as you're going to get to mm-hmm. them having been in your classroom. Yeah. I mean, I Excellent. see the advantage right. of that. I mean, the immediacy of that as opposed mm-hmm. to having to do it during a study hall or an right. after school tutoring session. Right. That's really neat. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anna, yep. I have this question for you, Anna. You know, speaking of challenges, the study of a Latin involves much study, memorization, incorporation into daily life if we're to read and write and speak a language. When people think of studying a language online, people, I think they're inclined to think of like a Rosetta Stone or the gimmick of becoming fluent in a language in just 90 days. You know, share with our listeners what the study of Latin looks like inside a middle school classroom that's classical and what it looks like in the context of online distance learning. Of course. So, well, learning of Latin language, I mean, it's not that different from learning any modern language. There is um, the thing where that, you know, it is technically a dead language. I don't like to call it that because it's so alive within... um, the structure of our own language and our world. Um, but in the traditional setting, I try to have a really immersive classroom where it's not just the language, but they're learning the culture. They're learning about the people, these ancient Romans, and they learn you know, how they dress, how they live, what they ate. All of those things are incorporated into learning and translating. You know, It might be an ancient text, or we could be translating a passage from the Latin Bible, but that they really understand what it is to learn this language. And um, I use a lot of oral um, in my classroom as well. So we try to um, do a lot of spoken Latin, even though that is not traditionally how it's taught, because that type of immersion really helps them to dive in and understand and want to embody this language. Mm -hmm. Now, it has been a bit of a challenge trying to transition to, you know, teaching live less hours and that, you know, that distance, it definitely has been a challenge for me in the beginning of saying, okay, how can I keep my students retaining information? How can I get them to go forward and keep them up with this um, mastery from day to day? Because typically you want to practice your language, you know, multiple times a week so that you're progressing. Right. And where was we talked about earlier that the focus has shifted a bit for being online, that it's this is more of a review and retention so that when we do go back, um, they're going to be ready and prepared for the next year. But some of the fun things that um, I've had an opportunity to do during this time is dive in deeper into Roman culture. Mm-hmm. I decided to take my students on a field trip. Wow. And that's one of the cool things, one of these silver linings about um, everything going online is that there are 
so many resources out there online that I was able to take my students to Rome. We went on a virtual field trip of the Colosseum and the Forum. Wow. you can walk around through the whole Coliseum and the Forum, and we'd stop and we'd talk about the different things, and they could ask questions. And that it was is really exciting. fantastic. Well, listen, ladies, I feel so bad, but we are already at the end of our time, and I had hoped to even talk to you about more. And um, you know, we'll have to maybe even have you back another time. But I am so grateful for all the hard work that you are doing with your students. It's clear that Liberty students are continuing to get an excellent education because of the hard work of teachers like you, uh, Heather and Anna. So thank you so much for joining us here today on Education Nation. Thanks for joining us. And thank you, Mark, for also all of what you do. And I love having you as my co-host and as the producer of the show. It's always, always a learning experience to listen to these wonderful uh, discussions. Yes, I know. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> to be a part of them. Yep. Well, and to our listeners, thank you. If you want to listen to this podcast or any others, it's on ednationmn.org. See you next week.